Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a bodybuilder and, let's see what else, a nutritionist. And uh, I guess that's it. And you're a hand model now. Hardly. I bite my nails. It would be bad. That would be ugly. Wow. Well, you're the before shot then. Yeah, I don't have pretty, like, stick-on nails, with the, you know, like the, the Flojo nails like you have, Fortress, with the right. stickers and colors. Yeah. <laughs> Fortress is here. Rob Fortress, Fortney, um, editor, journalist, writer, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. Hey, this is Phil Stevens, um, creator of StrengthGuild.com and StrengthGuildTopeka, I'm a competitive powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and strength coach. And you just Not hurt gone. yourself, I guess you said. And I did just hurt myself again. Oh, now what? Uh, I was benching, and I've been keeping it low, and everything was feeling good. And it's been several months since I tried anything kind of heavy. So went to 365 and, like, paused it for three seconds on my chest and killed it. So I was like, let's go to 400, 405, and uh, didn't feel heavy. Got it down to my chest, paused it. About halfway up, you heard a pop in my shoulder. Oh, God, man. And a lot of pain. So, But yeah, it, it, this, too, will pass. That's right. So, well, you're already what I what I call you in the intro, a uh, old oak tree, big old tree held together with scar yeah. tissue. So and bone spurs, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So. so just a little bit more scar tissue to hold you together, man. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I think a day or two, and it'll start calming down, and then I'll just have to ease back into it. So I can overhead press fine. It's just the the horizontal pressing. That's so. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, Fortress, how are you feeling? Because you're going to compete like any yes. day now. I got uh, three full days left of rest and eating. Um, no, I feel fine. I feel really good, actually. I'm just, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's going to be just the perfect amount of rest, to be honest with you. Not too much, not too little. I should start feeling reinvigorated again. I'm anticipating by Thursday. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I'll probably, I'm going to try to show up at maybe 300, 302 or something. Nice. Yeah, put some weight on, but I, I'm feeling really good, actually. So yeah, that's good. What about your uh, your mental state? Is it hard to pull back and not put your hands on a bar, or are you okay with no, that? No, not really. I'm actually enjoying the time away, and I always know that's a good a good sign. Because um, mm-hmm. whenever I take a yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Whenever whenever I take a layoff, a week layoff or whatever, um, I know it's a, a good thing that I don't want to be in the gym. And like I say, I always know that within seven or eight days, I start feeling the itch again, and, and that's that kind of re-energized nervous system kind of thing. So I'm anticipating, like I said, I anticipate yeah. that tomorrow or Thursday. So the bad thing is, though, that weigh-in <laughs> is at 7 a.m., and it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from here. So I'm either going to have to go Friday and stay in a hotel or get up at about 1 in the morning <laughs> on, on, wow. on Saturday. So, um, it, But you know, I mean, you guys know, like one night of no sleep, crap sleep is not going to do that much damage. So either way, I'm not really too worried about it. Well, I think you and I have discussed that before, too. All of us have about the night before a, a competition. There's not much sleep anyway. You're just kind of excited. At least, yeah. Well, Phil said he sleeps, I think, but I get excited, too. It's not negative. It's just, you know. Yeah, and like I said, I think there's been lots of studies that have shown that, you know, like on for strength athletes, a, a night or two or of bad sleep doesn't really adversely affect too much lifting. So 
That's interesting you say that because I literally have had some of my best squat sessions on after just nights of like squeaking in five hours sleep or something. Yeah. Well, I, no, I I've, I've noticed that too. It's strange. Like obviously if you're having several days, um, it will eventually start affecting, but I've, oh, I've always, sure. I've noticed that if I'm generally speaking quite rest and I miss a night or two of sleep, it doesn't really hurt my alt, you know, my top end lifts. So, oh, and this morning in the mail from New Mexico, I got my, uh, deadlift slippers. Exciting. Nice. Very, very nice. So uh, that, that that's from Lifting Large. Uh, I think it's liftinglarge.com. So and I'll, I'm not sure I'll, what those I'll throw look them like. A, I'll throw them a plug, too, because the guy was really cool on the phone who ordered, and he promised he had to get them before. So liftinglarge.com, good service. Um, they look like ballet slippers. Yeah, yeah. And they, okay. yeah, they got like a really kind of like a like rubbery kind of little little sole on the bottom. They're Yeah, they're, they're really good. Keep close to the floor, but uh, keep you also firm so you're not slipping all over the place. So. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, so I'm pretty much ready to go. Um, right on. Because yeah. you're carrying the torch right now, man. I mean, Phil's. Oh, geez. Phil's, you know, back back to oak tree status, and I'm uh, <laughs> still fighting off pneumonia. You know, this this lung inflammation is just lingering. I just hope it's not one of those weird things. You know, sometimes viruses permanently change you. And Jesus, yeah. I hope it's not something like that. But I, I imagine just give it time; it'll be gone. Yeah. So. But, so yeah, yeah, you're carrying the torch, man. Yep, I will try and do Iron Radio and our Iron Radio. Radio Brotherhood Proud. We've got some there real encouragement from uh, some of the emails because yeah. we've been talking about it. So, yeah, that's very cool. In fact, uh, you have an email you wanted to read, huh? Yeah, yeah. We got one from uh, Sean Richardson, and I'll read it to you because it's not that long. Uh, horrified by my before picture, he has a picture of him standing on a, a scale, actually, just looking down at the, the number of the scale. Um, um He'll sh- he says he'll send the after shots later. Again, I send thanks to you and your Iron Raider brothers for all the great info. The actual start weight was 137.6, but no photo. Finding your podcast, Zero C, changed my life. Long wow. story short, I'm not the same person. Changes are, changes are too many to mention. Okay, enough. Okay. Anyway, good luck with our upcoming contest. Um, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, yeah, Sean Richardson. He's uh, And his before, like I said, was like one... I think it shows 147 or something, and his after is like 203. <laughs> so, Dude. So, yeah, so he's doing good, and he, say, he, he, he says our, our podcast changed his life. Um, wow, that's great. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, awesome. That, that just makes us uh, smile ear to ear, buddy. So Makes it worthwhile. Richardson. Well, you know what? The, our, we're not full of crap. You know what I mean? This stuff, <laughs> I mean, this stuff happens again and again, and it's fun to hear a, a success story. You know, as someone just starts eating and lifting like a man, and look what happens. He becomes a freaking barbarian. I love yeah, it. Yeah, Iron Radio, changing twinks to men, one one boy at a time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, but that's good, man. That's really good, Sean Richardson. We're, uh, we're uh, proud of you, and yeah. uh, we celebrate your uh, victory thus far. Keep at it, man. Iron Radio approved. There that's you go. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so we've got some, um, I don't know, there's a few bits of other news, I guess. Um, Strength and Muscle Sport News. One was I just wanted to bring up a man film that's coming out because one of these days, guys, we have got to do an episode with, like, our favorite man films, you know, and sort of actors that are all man kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the Immortals movie is coming out November 11th, if anybody's interested. I just wanted to give a shout-out to that. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if it's going to be as good as 300, but it's by the producers of 300. So, yeah, listeners, go check out the Immortals flick and uh, give us some feedback on, on the Facebook you know, Iron Radio listeners page because uh, maybe we'll even review it a little on, on air. 
But that's I, I kind of want to check that out. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. We should, uh, when something particularly manly comes along in the media, movie, music, whatever, we should uh, throw our two cents in on it. Yeah. Well, I sure hope it's, it, it does fit the manly category. It, it's set up. I think it will. But we'll we'll find out. You know, there's only one way. You got to put it to the test. Mm-hmm. See, the problem is, I got no tie. I, I get to see nothing but like SpongeBob and Caillou now. The three year old. You see, you see there, there, man. Yeah. See, there's there's the source of your shoulder injury. Well, it is. It's it's softening you up, my friend. Yeah. You need to go it's, right. It's a like a virus. Back. It's like a fibromangina virus. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, in other news, I just sent off today. Um, this sounds like a promotional plug. It's not uh, a journal article to the uh, National Strength Conditioning Association. I've been working on it with some students. Finally, sent it off this morning. So that'll probably appear in early 2012. Of those of you who are strength coaches, it's, the, it's just the Strength Conditioning Journal, which is more of a practitioner journal. So it's real straightforward talk about uh, proteins. And I tried to include some stuff in there about proteins that haven't really been touched on in some of the pure science literature, like what's really practical, like when you would eat beef versus, you know, egg or soy, or what's good about dairy proteins, or, you know, what's good about supplements as opposed to whole foods, because sometimes people just, they either demonize supplements or they avoid the issue, so try to put some good, pack that full of good stuff, so that'll be in the uh, uh, JSC, the Journal of Strength Conditioning, uh, probably early 2012. Well, make sure that you remind uh, listeners again when it does come out. Yeah, I'll have to do that. And, of course, the protein book, we have a plug at the end of the episode uh, for that. That's going to be out in uh, late February 2012, and that is really a one-stop shop for everything protein. In fact, my my department director called it the Big Book of Protein. That's all she talked about. Lonnie's Big Book of Protein. (laughs) What's that book called? Uh, well, we tossed around a couple of different names. The working title was just Protein and Resistance Exercise uh, because, it's, you know, it's sort of a big literature review. It's more of a textbook. I mean, don't go get that thinking it's one of these, like, anabolic diet-type books or nothing against Mauro DiPascali or anything. But, you know, it's not an industry-type book. This is a giant literature review on the biochemistry, the types of protein, you know, any kind of safety issues. I was interested in doing it because I just wanted to be able to hold up a, a big literature review the next time, you know, a health educator, a dietitian, or, or someone said, oh, you meatheads and your protein. You know, I, I had just heard that for, t- for too long, and there's no evidence to say that it's high-protein diets are really uh, harmful to healthy people, especially lifters. So anyway, so that will be out early 2012 too. Just some reading for you. Uh, in other news, uh, well, we were talking before the episode, and I'm not going to give a lot of details, but Phil's talking to some people, maybe some uh, – Fuel our contests in the future. Yeah, That's yeah. exciting. Very exciting. Big yeah. stuff, you guys. Yeah, no, it's, uh, if this does come to be, our listeners are definitely going to be excited for, uh, <laughs> some of the potential things we're going to be giving yeah. away. All I've been able to do so far is like, you know, mugs or, uh, books. I mean, some of the books that I've given away are $150 books, but, you know, this is something that you can really get your hands on. Uh, and we're classy here at Iron Radio. We're, we're not one of those sites that's going to try or sell our old, soiled squatting briefs or something. Ooh. No, your busted toilet seat, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, hey, guess what? I busted another one two days ago. You're out of control, oh. man. Yeah, so I, yesterday I had to go to the home hardware, and I bought uh, I bought my fourth now toilet seat. See, it's, it, toilet seats aren't built to, like, you know, set a refrigerator on, on top of. They just yeah, can't so, handle it. But this, this one claims to be stri- um, ultra durable, so we'll, we'll see. It's uh, 
Ultra durable. You know you're you know you're big when you have to go buy ultra durable toilet seats. When I took it up to the counter and I, and I showed it to the woman, she's like, "How did this happen?" I said, "I don't know, I was just sitting on it." <laughs> she's like, "I've never seen one of these break." <laughs> you should have just looked at her and said, "Because I'm all man, baby. Three hundred pounds it, of it." But it leads you to it leads you to wonder how a guy like Brian Shaw, who's well over four hundred pounds, what's he doing? Maybe he is doing that. Maybe you know, maybe he's maybe just digging a hole in his backyard. I don't know. You're the only guy who's screwy enough to actually mention it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe somewhere they actually make, you know, like reinforced steel or something. Yeah, well, this and this maybe the, you know, the unspoken downside of strength sports. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually a nice segue to what we're talking about today. Actually, yeah. it's it's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do that. Okay, so we'll be right back after just a few messages with our topic of the day, which is a follow-up to last week. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Our topic today is we're going to pick up uh, a conversation that Rob and I actually already had, sadly, but uh, recording glitches and audio gremlins ruined it. But And that's the unhealthy side of strength sports. Um, it, it started with a paper that I read last episode. I'm not going to bore people again, but it was about how strong men have larger hearts than a marathon runners. Um, and, you know, I was sort of fussing about this idea that, yes, of course they have you know, grossly larger hearts. They didn't have, in relative terms, they weren't. But, of course, their heart's bigger. Everything's bigger on a strong man than a 120-pound marathon runner. I don't, you know, but anyway, it's that kind of thing that you sometimes get, and I'm telling you, in pure exercise phys settings, you really get that, where, you know, if you're not aerobically fit, somehow you're unhealthy. Yeah. And that's changed in recent years. I think the last 10 years, with the, you know, the massive growth of the NSCA and that kind of stuff, a lot of that's changed. But you still get some of that, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. blood lipids or blood pressure or, you know, in fact, let, let's just go down the list. So one of the things is blood pressure. Uh, and Fortress, I know you before have actually said you actually prefer to feel a little pressurized. And I, I can tell you that when I gain weight, uh, there's a point right about 210, it's like flipping a switch and my blood pressure just goes up. Because uh, there's a little bit of hypertension in, in the men in my family. And, uh, you know, boom, I'll just go up to, like, mild hypertension, like 140 over 90. And I'm not yeah. glorifying it, 
but I'm saying, you know, that is something that I think if you, uh, it's very body weight related, very body weight related. And, uh, I don't know, Phil, do you experience that at all? Have you ever checked your BP when you're big? No, I never really paid attention to it. Um, and the difference, uh, of where I was at, I've never come in really high though. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always verged on kind of low. Oh, you know, so. even, even when I get mine tested, I haven't had it tested for a couple of years, but even the last time I had it tested when I was maybe 15 or 20 pounds lighter, I remember the doctor saying it was slightly high and it was like, like Lonnie's saying it was, it was like just, just mildly elevated. Yeah. And, and I remember it, you know, and I remember she kind of made a <clears throat> bit of a stink about it, but I, I kind of just, in, you know, in the back of my mind, I was just kind of smiling thinking, you know, like, what do you want? Like, you know, day before yesterday, I was squatting 500 pounds. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, my body, like you said, your body's going to be more pressurized. I mean, look at look at race cars, how pressurized those engines are. I mean, you, yeah. you, you want the thing to run hard, and or or you want you know to be just an average car going around that lasts for thirty years. I mean, well, let's it, look it, at the downside of this. I mean, what does yeah, it yeah. what does it do? Hypertension it it, it accelerates atherosclerosis. You know, right, uh, driving sure. those sort of fatty deposits into your arteries and stuff. Of course. And someone with a family history of aneurysm uh, fortress, you know, that would be a real concern because if you've got sort of a, you know, bulging on a major artery and you, your blood pressure sky high and then you put 700 pounds on your back, you, know, yeah. you are rolling the dice a little bit, I guess, you know. But the other thing I wonder about, too, and Rob, you could probably speak to this a lot um, and Phil on the powerlifting side. But, Rob, you, you especially with like the, you know, the heavy drug using bodybuilders, how their faces are like purple, like they look mm. like they're going to burst. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, and you know, on, on, on some sites like Get Big and stuff, they always, you know, make that where they, you know, put a picture of, you know, ex bodybuilder here, pro bodybuilder, and people always, you know, make sarcastic comments like, you know, he's going for the health look, and you know, dead, <laughs> de- dead, dead by forty, and all those kinds of things, you know, because. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, when you've been around the sport for, I mean, there's so many markers that somebody who's been around for a long time just can tell when somebody's on stuff. But certainly when you're looking at the heavy andro- androgen type users and stuff, you can definitely see it in their face. There is a certain look to, um. It's sort of, yeah, puffy, uh, cyanotic, slightly bluish, you know, um. Yeah, and just not kinda, very healthy looking. And not everybody gets that way, but. No, uh, but, yeah, no, but generally speaking, certainly the guys we're talking about, the, upper elite kind of guys in these sports, you know, they, they, they tend to look a little bit like their, you know, eyes are kind of pushing out of their skull and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, what it's, it's what it is, right? They kind of look like, well, at least the power lifters because they're a bit heavier, not as lean, kind of, kind of like Barney, a big purple dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you've been listening to watching those kids shows, man. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. A... But actually Rob and Phil, both of you guys, I've seen you, I've got photos of you guys like in the bottom of a squat and oh, your, yeah. your face, obviously your faces look like that then, you know, because oh, your blood yeah. pressure is, is yeah. sky high, oh, yeah. right? It's I always say if you, if you want to look at yourself in the worst possible light, uh, you know, in that way, load up a leg press and let it come sink down to your chest. Oh, yeah. I've, I've actually seen leg press numbers while people were leg pressing in the literature. And, you know, you can have a systolic blood pressure of mm-hmm. not. We're not talking about 120 kids. We're talking, you know, double or triple that or more. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah, no, for sure, and I think that's even like that. That movement is much worse than squash, just because of the position you're being put in and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, your legs are sort of uh, on par with your head, or your head's sort of below a lot of your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, like I, when, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just gonna say, you know, like uh, to kind of kick things off, although we kind of already have, but 
when Lion and I did speak about this, and we lost it to, uh, as he was saying, the technological gremlins of the computer or whatever, I, I started off as far as the downside of, you know, resistance training, saying, you, you know, I think the most common one, of course, is, is you know, the inflammation and so forth and, you know, minor strains that occurred is from the uh, repetitive stress syndrome, I guess, that uh, I guess you could say that, that results from doing this stuff. Because so many of the movements are, of course, just, just repeating over and over again the same pathways, so... I've known several older lifters with osteoarthritis, you know, not necessarily something that's uh, heavily autoimmune like a rheumatoid arthritis, but, you know, just that sort of uh, mileage. Like you said, it's really re- it is repetitive stress injury, and I think bodybuilders get that a lot too, but sure. uh, powerlifters as well because, you know, there are certain movements, no matter what kind of accessory work you do, that you're going to have to do over and over and over. I mean, how can a powerlifter not squat or bench or you know what i mean it and yeah. um yeah that kind of stuff does lead to it over over time i think yeah and and but in to further that what i said when i was talking to you about this i also on the other side of it i do tend to think that people who do monumental amounts of work that as you would say would accumulate to huge amounts of mileage on the body when you're doing um a lot of more accessory, what would be considered to a certain strength athlete, accessory work and to a bodybuilder more what is considered, you know, quote, unquote, isolation work, which is essentially, you know, single joint movements. Yeah, um, I think those are the ones that really tend to do that. Um, and, and an example I gave, which I'll give again, is that, interestingly enough, I have zero problems with joints doing things like squats and stuff. The only things that I have certain problems with now after 26 years of training is stuff like bicep curls. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, can still, I can still do them, but I, I, I certainly have a lot more need for a lot of preparation sets and warm-up sets than I do, again, like something like squats or bench presses, which a lot of people, I think, who, who are not as experienced might say, geez, that doesn't sound right, but I think it makes a lot of sense, which is why I tell a lot of guys, if you're going to put mileage on your body, make sure that you do it and you always know why you're doing it, and again, try and um, you know structure most of your programs around the big multi-joint basic compound movements. Because um, I really do tend to see when I see people who have these problems, it tends to be um, you know guys who do a lot of things like you know like moving their limbs out from away from their body and you know single joint movements like again lat- lateral lateral dumbbell raises and and you know preacher curl dumbbell curls stuff like that. Right, we can't forget the inflammation thing is uh, tendonitis and bursitis as well. It's not just osteoarthritis. No, yeah. no, yeah, of course. for sure. Um, yeah, I, th- I think doing a lot of that kind of stuff tends to, um, and I've said it many times, I kind of always refer to kind of like mild inflammation as being hot. I think a lot of those types of movements really are the ones that really make a person's joints hot. Um, well, dude, let's things. let's let's give our input. So, how do you address that if that's a reality of strength sports? How well, do you, uh, you know, sort of uh, deal with that in a maintenance sort of way? Well, certainly. I mean, there's there's nutrition that you can take. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure things like, um, you know, well, the fish I'll, oil. I'll pick up on that. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. You take care of that, and you go. Certainly, it, it, to further what I said a couple minutes ago, the whole idea that again, don't. I and mean, we talk a lot about mileage, but truthfully, try to um, always be always be conscious of what Efficient, you're doing. Right. Efficiency. Yeah. Efficiency, yeah. and and make sure that you're not redundant in your training. Um, Right, First, junk reps. Yeah. Right, junk, junk reps, sets that, you know, are point that past the point of being needed to be done. Um, unnecessary warm-up sets. Um, sometimes, you know, if three, two warm-up, warm-up sets will do, there's really no point in pyramiding up over 10 sets. 
kind of a thing. Um, again, junk, getting to a top weight and then all of a sudden working your way down again. Certainly that's a good advanced, you know, kind of like, um, increasing intensity method where you kind of, you know, quote, run the rack and go back down the pyramid or something. But, I mean, these types of things are not always necessary. Right. I mean, certain, Every workout, no. Yeah. 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 I mean, you don't have to go in the gym as well, like to be redundant with movements. I mean, there's no point in one single workout to do a flat dumbbell press and then move to a flat barbell press. Like those types of things are, I, I and I see that a lot. And I mean, I, w- I was guilty of it for many years myself, this kind of redundancy in your training where you kind of, you know, like if, if you're going to squat in a certain leg workout, why do you have to do leg press in that workout as well? Yeah. Just that kind of thing. I mean, you should know the point where, and I, I think Lee Haney said it best, the, uh, you know, legendary eight-time Mr. Olympia. Um, he once said, stimulate, don't annihilate. And you really have to learn. And sometimes, sometimes as, especially as, as guys, it's fun to annihilate. You know yes. I mean? Yes, it you know, is. Like, yeah. You just want yeah, to kind is. of, get, you know, as I kind of term it, get the let out. You go in, you just want to, for We're whatever We're all guilty reason, of that. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's fun. You know, like when I came down to visit you, um, Lowney, down in Ohio recently and stuff, sometimes you just want those days where you're just like, you know what, you know, throw caution to the wind. Let's just go nuts. But ninety percent of the time, you don't want to do that, and you want to be much more measured in what you're doing. And you want. And you know to. what? I, I think it's it's partly program design. You know, because we've had people on this show who literally do a separate body part every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and at, at some point, you know, if I'm going to go to the gym for an hour and a half, I'm going to do biceps the whole time or arms. That's to, I, personally, yeah. that's not for me. You know, but also like you're saying, movement choice. Because Phil, I know you in the past have said. I forget what it was you were saying, but about the like leg extension, how unnatural that is compared to just standing up, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think yeah. I think that too is a case of <clears throat> the Rob hit on it big. It's the um, do everything for a reason, and not just because you can. And then the other big thing is people, you know, you don't have to give your accessory work the same intensity as you do the actual work. You know, I'll go in if I'm benching, and then it's fine. Okay, I'm just gonna. After I'm done benching, I've, I've eaten my meat and potatoes, and it's, okay, I'm going to work on some weaknesses. You don't have to go 110% on that stuff. Just kind of punch the clock with that is the, the best thing I've figured out. And just, you know, work kind of hard, but don't don't try and, you know, I'm not going to go in and hit a PR and freaking bicep curls every day or try to. You know, it's just <laughs> right. get the work in and get out. When, right. when I used to push that stuff really hard, I just ended up with my, my elbows hurting and stuff like Dude, that. You know what? Case in point, I remember, God, it was probably 10 years ago. I was doing some triceps work, and there was this particularly irritating kid who came in, and he was doing, you know, we are both doing skull crushers, you know, hit heads, lying triceps extensions, and he put a bunch of weight on, and he's sort of smugly looking at me, and I thought, all right, you little shit bird, you know? (laughs) So I I put, I don't know, two quarters and and a a couple of tens on either side, which is a lot for me, but it was twice as much as he was using, and I busted out several reps and put the little punk in his place. I paid for that for days. You know, my triceps tendon, my olecranon right there, tip my elbow. It's just like, what the hell did you just do, you know? So, uh, it, so and that that's like that lesson, too, especially once you become more advanced and, and, and middle-aged, you're certainly strong enough to hurt yourself. So yeah. you've got to have some sense. Yeah. What, what other um, negatives uh, do you guys think uh, are? Oh, well, let me follow up with the fish oil thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Uh, fish oil, because it's so anti-inflammatory, I know we're all fans, but... Fish oil, you know, the EPA and DHA, especially you're going to get like two or three grams of that, you know, coupled together. I know Phil's gone way even above that, but that's going to lower your blood pressure. I mean, something like a third of everything that goes into high blood pressure is your your dietary fat choices. So fish oil is going to lower blood pressure to some extent. It's certainly going to help with osteoarthritis. 
It's probably going to help with tendonitis, although there's not a lot of good literature on that. Um, and it's even going to help your blood lipids. Because uh, that's another thing on my list. That's something that these uh, Lithuanian researchers I was discussing last week, they were ripping on the that strongmen had lower HDL, you know. Uh, and let's face it, if you look at some of the numbers for HDL, they want you to have like, you know, 45 or better if you're a guy. Some books, I, have a, I teach a pathophysiology class, and it suggests even higher. It's like, listen, if you're a real man and your testosterone level is fairly high, it's unlikely that you're going to have an HDL of like 80, like a woman. Okay, I mean, estrogen raises HDL, and it depends, on, I suppose, what some guys are on. I mean, there are certain anabolics that bodybuilders would use, like Winstrol, which, you know, stenozolol is just notorious. I mean, you'll end up with HDL. I mean, forget 40 or 45. You'll get an HDL of, like, 3, <laughs> you know. Now, it's it's reversible, and most bodybuilders, you know, that have any sense wouldn't do that on a regular basis, like uh, apparently Mike Matarazzo uh, did. <laughs> Uh, right. At one point, but so fish oils will help with your blood lipids as well, lower your triglycerides, you know, uh, at, at the very least. So anyway, yeah, diet like that, avoiding omega six fats, like a lot of corn oil and vegetable oils. One of the best thing that listeners can do is get the oils, vegetable oils, out of your cupboard, except for olive, maybe canola, you know, because those don't serve as substrate for inflammation. So okay. yeah, that's totally something that that you can focus on. I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, in the HDL thing. You know, I, the men in my family tend to have lower HDL, and, you know, well, you know, I guess that's a um, sign of life. You know, my total cholesterol is low, too, though, so I'm not going to yeah. flip out about that. That's one of those things, you know, it's mostly genetic anyway, so you can blame it on strong men. And, yes, if you – but you know what? If you go run, even one bout of exercise, including weight training, it'll raise your HDL a couple of points, just doing it once. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not – I'm not going to apologize for that. <laughs> hey, yeah, what about what about flexibility though? You guys ever hear about weight training makes you bulky? What do you think about that? Well, sure. I mean, or always, stiff. Well, that's that's the kind of myth you hear, right? The muscle bound myth, you know, where you know you're not going to be able to move or anything. And I, th- I think certainly that that's over the last couple decades has been slowly being eroded. That whole idea that I mean, yes, there's I, I suppose there's a point where you're you're somebody is too big. Uh, maybe for their own frame or for their, but I, I think that has more to do with how you actually built the body than the you know than the body itself. By I, that, I agree. Yeah, oh, go ahead, Phil. By, yeah, by that. No, I, I was just gonna say. Um, I think it's that. I think you know a lot of your bodybuilders not working through full range movements and stuff like that, squatting and things like that. Mm. I think the other big thing is people forget that you know flexibility, like all else, is it needs to be defined by what you want to do. It would be a disservice for me to be able to squat a quarter inch from the ground when and and not be tight at parallel. Yep. You know, my job is to squat to parallel, be wound up like a drum, and be able to come out. There is actual research, <clears throat> even in runners that a certain and, and lifters too, I believe, that a certain amount of, of stiffness, you know, you don't want to it's oh, yeah. actually beneficial, right? You don't want to be so have no tissue elasticity or you know, um, yeah. recoil. You want to have some tension there. Yeah. If it comes down to it, if I have two clients to choose from, one that's hypermobile and one that's immobile, I'm going to take the immobile one because they're less apt to get injured. It's a lot easier for me to fix an immobile client, stretching them out, putting them through moves, than it is somebody that's hypermobile and can overextend joints and stuff like that. You're asking for injuries. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot harder to make them stable. I yeah, wanted to forget mention- that flexibility or lack thereof is also stability and strength. You know, we need stability. 
and people forget about. Right, it's sort of a, a yin and yang there. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, I, I think about the shoulder. The shoulder, uh, you know, if you classically define flexibility, you know, range of motion around a joint, the shoulder is going to have, you know, many planes of motion. But it's one of the joints where I would probably say, yes, you're going to lose technically some range of motion. If you do a classic back scratch test where you're grabbing your hands behind your back, I don't. I bet none of none of the three of us could do that. You no. know, like Definitely when I reach not. behind my back, I. I I barely, I know I can't touch my fingertips, you know, and you get these skinny guys who they can reach up their back with their left hand and down with the right and just clasp their hands. Yeah. It's like, listen, at some point there's just so much meat around the deltoid, you know, yeah. uh, in the deltoid that you're going to lose a little bit of what one might call flexibility, but that's just, that's just, you're impeding the movement because of there's so much meat, there's so much mass. And Besides, what's, what's, uh, what's the uh, corners on walls for anyway? Yeah. To scratch your back. The bark on trees. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, I mean, yeah, you just like, rub away the paint because you got to get that scratch or that itch. There you go. It's got to back well, up. <laughs> you know what? Another topic I wanted to bring up just very briefly because I, I, t- I was talking to the gym owner about it recently was uh, even tanning uh, for bodybuilders. Uh, now, classically, you know, we've been taught tanning is bad. I mean, in one of the health classes at the university, they actually teach it. Even tanning in a tan bed once increases your risk of melanoma and this and that. But I think in some ways we've gone overboard uh, because if you look at some of the old bodybuilders who would tan on a regular basis, they don't all have skin cancer. In fact, I don't know of any that do. Maybe listeners can fill me in, but uh, there's that trade-off because of vitamin D, Right. So for what, a a decade, two decades, we've been saying everybody wear SPF number 99 sunscreen all the time. And then, oops, we're all vitamin D deficient. You know, so it's another one of those things where we're we're wedding technology in a a sort of a poor way. We get excited about something. And I suppose most dermatologists would still say, you know, protect yourself from, you know, UV light at at all times. But again, you know, you're going to make thousands of units of vitamin D when you do that. And that counteracts a lot of cancers and things like that. So, you know. Well, my question to that one is why do the people around the equator, you know, they have some of the lowest skin cancer rates ever in some of these countries. Um, yeah, and interestingly. And they're in the freaking sun all day. Yeah, and, and, and the, the parts of their bodies that are exposed to the sun usually aren't the ones that get cancer anyway. Yeah. Uh, I have heard a little bit like your lower lip and the back of your neck are, are major parts, though, but, you know, that ha- tend to have more incidents. But at the same time, yeah, I, I think even that, when done in moderation, there can be some good things about it as well. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's whether you look at it as a nutritionist or a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. The dermatologist might say block it at all costs, but, you know, when you're looking at overall health, I'm not sure that's unhealthy if you're just going to do that for, uh, you know, slowly and smart for 10 weeks when you get ready for a competition, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's just one, yet another one of those. Well, when I was working night shifts and barely seeing the daylight, I was actually told to go, and it helped my sleep. Oh, my wow. Sleep improved. So, well, there you go. Because I rarely saw the sun, and it was, you know, going in for once or twice a week for 20 minutes, and it, and it improved my sleep. Well, not to mention but, the fact that even from a, you know, a therapist standpoint, I know there's, you know, like certain um, treatments that are used for people who have depression and so forth. Um, yep. With certain like light therapy, mm-hmm. um, oh phototherapy, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, again, I don't know much about it, but I certainly know that it, it, it exists. Um, certainly in places where there, like like Phil saying, places where there's not a lot of like even if you're in certain parts of the world where there's you know just no sunlight for you know two or three months out of the year and that type of thing, 
Um, some people can very adversely be affected psychologically by that. So absolutely. Um, so I, I, like Lonnie, I think you said it best. I mean, it depends really who you're talking to. We know a nutritionist, a dermatologist, a psychologist, um, and I think. The, the really the, the point that should be made is again moderation you know too much of anything is is going to be harmful so you have to look at you know the, the cost of benefit of everything and not overdo anything but if you think about strength sports I mean or if you include bodybuilding in that mix it's a temporary thing you know it's yeah. a once a year thing or you know maybe yeah. even less a lot of times so again it, when you do it with moderation so the lifestyle seems to um, Counter-correct or auto-correct in a lot yeah. of ways, you know. And hey, I mean, is UV radiation any worse than whatever chemicals they're using to dye your skin brown? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you know? Yeah, there's yeah, nothing so. natural about. It. Well, that's you know uh, why I'm so old school. I remember when I was competing, Rob's like, you know, you really held the flag of the old school, you know, with pride, and, and that was a, that was my goal because. These guys now, you you step on stage and everybody's so completely painted. It's yeah. it's it's more like theater and less like a sport uh, yeah. than it than it was in the old days. And so, was I tan? Yeah. Now I don't get the savage tan of the islands. I'm Irish for Christ's sake, yeah. you know. But at the same time, so I mean, I did use some uh, you know artificial tan, but I tried to keep it within reason. And and I mean, I know guys that are ghost white and they just artificial tan, yeah. and you know, and that kind of stuff. And then you know the pros and cons, I guess. Yeah. Me when I used to be a competitive bodybuilder, I think I obtained probably two percent from tanning beds, and the rest was just being painted. <laughs> you looked African in that one. Ooh, well, you yeah, were dark. And that, yeah, and that was about forty-five coats. Of, yeah. Sometimes of, the guys look silly though, especially when they make their faces every bit as dark as their bodies. Yeah, you know, the, almost. Well, I always like say it, it's the Al Jolson look. There, there it is. Yep, like the Al Jolson thing. Yeah, mommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's let's okay. talk a little bit about maybe the drawbacks psychologically of, of a lot of the weight training because I, I think that should be touched upon. Me, um, because certainly I think there's some drawbacks to that. Certainly a lot of people who are drawn to bodybuilding um, in a competitive or hardcore sense, um, and, and Lonnie, you know this to be true. A lot a lot of people are. Um, they either have self-image problems, or they have, you know, uh, and they get into it because they're so, they become so obsessed with, you know, looking a certain way and they're being dissatisfied with their body. And I got too much fat. I don't like this. I don't like that. And I think sometimes for some people, um, again, certainly leading towards those who 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 would pursue it in a competitive sense, it tends to be psychologically damaging over time because you start getting too wrapped up in the whole idea of what you look like, and it starts really taking you away from the reality of the super and the superficiality, ultimately, of, of you know how much that actually means. You do often see in textbooks they'll sort of point fingers at uh, physique sports, you know, and sometimes weight class sports, when it, like the female athlete triad and those sorts of things, you know, they, because women getting their body fat super low. Now, again, I would think there's sort of an autocorrect mechanism even there because at least then you're lifting weights and, you know, you're yeah. weight bearing over your whole skeleton instead of a, a runner, let's say, yeah. you know, which I think would be in a worse uh, situation. Now, I'm not saying it completely autocorrects, but, again, you get the idea. And I think you're right. I mean, as long as you keep it positive and you don't become negative, like bodybuilding to me has always been very positive, and I've always included things like the the squat. Always to me was a movement. It was the one thing that was not about flexing my quadriceps. You know what I mean? And maybe that helped keep me uh, on the right track. I've always sort of been that power bodybuilder, 
you know, aficionado in, in a way, like, you know, like the Dorian Yates types. Uh, I'm not built like that, but, you know, the, I've always loved that. And the sort of, I don't want to be all show and no go, or a pump monkey, or whatever you want to call it, balloon animal, you know? I, I, I think that you hit something very pertinent right there, the whole idea of how is it, if you're a bodybuilder, how is it that you're viewing what it is that you're doing? Are you looking at yourself as an athlete training when you're, you know, in the gym? Or are you looking at yourself, uh, and you, we've heard over the years the whole idea that, you know, uh, even I think Arnold once said, you know, made the, um, the analogy to be, you know, somebody, an artist or a sculptor, you know, here's your piece of whatever it is, wood, clay, whatever, and you're, you're molding and sculpting it. I mean, certainly we understand the whole, you know, reasoning behind making those kind of observations. But I think if you go too far in the, that direction, I think you might have a more of an, um, a tendency to kind of go the route that I'm talking about, which is the unhealthy route of, um, again, overextending the, the importance in the, in the big picture of, of, you know, how much body fat you're carrying and how you look and all this type of thing. Well, that's, again, what, when you can combine it with, powerlifting or strongman or something like that right. you get that balance you know well, that's what, and that's why i was saying if you look at it more as you're an athlete you know versus you know i'm not an athlete i'm just somebody you know um sculpting my physique you know um because I, I can even say when i was still a competitive bodybuilder one of the many reasons why i chose to switch over to um you know competing as a lifter um and it's it's a, it's a it's a minor reason because I had much bigger reasons. But well, I I and I'm not ashamed to say it is I you know you start I started realizing that I was becoming way too concerned with how I was looking. You know, like it's hot and everybody's going to the beach and I'm not going to take off my shirt. You know, because I'm not ready yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't look good. I'm I'm not you know cut enough. I'm not this enough. I need bigger arms. I need to be this. You know, I'm not going to wear my shorts because I don't like my calves. I it, it could really start hindering a person's life, and I and I certainly have dated women in the past, and I, Lonnie knows one girl in particular, um, who it was horrifically um, destructive and oh, uh, the actress, right? Yeah, hinderment to the whole. Um, yeah, and, and she was very, very much into gym culture and working out and this type of thing, and it 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 was a marvel to me just how badly this affected her in a negative way if, as far as her going about her daily life, as far right. as what she would allow herself to eat, what she would be willing to allow people to see her wearing or not wearing, what she would, I mean, I mean what she'd be willing to do outside the gym. I mean, and when it gets to the point where it's affecting those types of things and it's affecting your, what, what should be healthy social interaction with your friends yeah. and your family and, and all these types of things and social events where it's going to be, again, of benefit to you. Um, right. Because I, I it can be healing. I mean, in a way, if you keep it positive, and I'm going to, I've got a meeting here, so I'm going to check out and let you guys close, but I'm going to just leave with one thought. If you keep it positive, I mean, you can have an element of dissatisfaction that yes. helps drive, you know, an aggressive pursuit oh, of something. But yeah. th that's not the same thing as like what you're saying. When, when things somehow veer off you know, on a tangent, and it's no longer just something healthful. Because, you know, again, I think strength sports can be very healing, even psychologically empowering, you know, to people who uh, need that. But it's almost like plastic surgery, you know. It's like with anything else. I've even heard weightlifting, you know, bodybuilding sometimes called poor man's plastic surgery. But, you know, it's, it's, you could take it to an extreme, and that's when things go bad.
So yeah. I'm going to leave you guys to close out, though, okay? Sure. Yeah. All right, All right rock on. Uh, I'll add into that. I mean, I think it's a case of when your habit, I guess we'll call it, you know, strength sport, your habit or your hobby starts to rule you instead of you ruling it. You know, <laughs> yeah. instead of you saying, okay, I'm going to the gym now, when your habit starts to control what you do in your external life, other parts of your life, it, it's yeah. not a good thing. Um, and I think, I think, like, like you said, you know, you've kind of been there. I think we all did. We, 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 we reached that point and then it's those ones that are able to step back and say, hey, you know, and a lot of those people, honestly, they make it to strength sports, but I see people in strength sports that are the same way. I know plenty of people that, um, it got what they call bigorexia. You know, they start losing a little, and it's like, oh, I'm getting tiny. And I, I admit, you know, I feel that way. Heck, I lost 25 pounds. I was like, wow, I'm getting small. Well, it's but, amazing, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm like 295, and I, I, I never look in the mirror and think I'm particularly big. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and that's just, so I think, yeah, absolutely. When you, when you, when you have this pursuit, um, you know, as the thing that is, that, that, Completely overshadows everything else in your life. Um, that that that's when I think you have a potential problem. Yeah. Um, having said that, um, and I know all three of us can certainly uh, say that this is the way we are. It, it, it is a part of who we are. I, I mean, I would never not say that my my weight training is not a part of who I am. For God's sakes, it's been 26 years I've been doing that. You know, it's to me, it's as part a, a part of me as my music is and my, you know, all those types of things. However, I would never say, and I never would want it to be, all there is. Yes. Because then you're really um, you, you're you're losing sight of of you know putting something you know. It, in its place, and everything has its place. It's one of the reasons where I, if you come over to my place, I've had people come over, you know, who 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 have known me in the gym, and they're like, you know, you would, they're like, wow, you'd never know that you even lift weights if you come to your house, and and that's partially by design. Yeah, the whole idea that yes, of course, I gotta, you know, eat a, a certain way and so forth, and that involves me not being at the gym. But as far as just, you know, looking around my place, I don't want to have it. All-consuming because, like I've always yeah. said, when you're in the gym, you're in the gym. Yeah. You know that's why we, you know, we don't like people like with cell phones and stuff in the gym. You know, leave it. But when you're in the gym, you're in the gym. But when you're not in the gym, again, outside of things like eating and so forth, try to be somebody who's very, you know, again, maintain friendships with people who are, yeah. you know, like, like I've, I've known bodybuilders who associate and socialize with nothing but bodybuilders yeah. and, and i don't think that's good i have friends that have nothing to do with weight training zero yep. they they don't even know what a squad is kind of a thing and i think that's that's very healthy but if i think if you it becomes all consuming yeah. i think that's when psychologically you might be running into a place where you might not want to be yeah it needs to be a part of you not define you totally yeah for sure i mean i think that's true in any field um generally you see you know the people that are Oh, like I saw it in art a lot. The, the the person trying so hard to act like an artist wasn't an artist. Mm. You know, the person right. trying so hard to act like the bodybuilder generally isn't. He's he's expending so much energy trying to act like it that he doesn't actually go to the gym and do it. You yeah, know? and yeah. Uh, and punch that clock and then get out and relax. And, and, you and just got to relax and detach yourself. You know, and and, and kind of further to what you're saying, Phil. It's interesting that over the years I've seen that the people who are successful, either in bodybuilding or powerlifting, are usually the people who don't 
get have their head so go so far up their butt that they're starting to micromanage things to a, a, a absurd degree. Yep. Um, so certainly in the bodybuilding field, well, that would be people again who are, um, as Lonnie would probably say, you know, micromanaging their nutrition to such a point that where they're, you know, um, every you know little milligram of of niacin. This, I mean, yeah. let, let's face it, man. Guys who actually succeed at that don't do that. Most of those yeah. guys just eat big, lift a lot. Um, those types of things. And certainly in powerlifting too, if you're starting to micromanage every little thing that you're doing to the point where it's getting to be obsessive, those are usually not the people who are actually really succeeding at anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, sometimes, sometimes it's kind of better to kind of, you know, leave those little things to chance. Like I said, because it's, it's like science. I mean, one day you turn on the news and they say, you know, wearing blue jeans causes cancer. Then the next day you turn on saying, you know, um, ketchup's good for you. Then the next day, it's it's again, it's ca- causing some sort of like um, again cancer. I mean, yeah. You can go through life trying to micromanage everything to every certain degree to a point where you've basically abandoned the 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 initial reason of why you probably should have been doing it in the first place. Yep. Um, so I think I think psychologically it can be harmful to some people if they don't enter into it or or at least at some point during the process of the first few years kind of realize what type of personality they are and and how they're going to again kind of fit that new element into their life and how it's going to correlate with them on a social level and and all those types of things because those are things that you have to no, nobody wants to associate with a monk you know who's who's not willing to go to a restaurant for somebody's birthday because I can't go there because they don't have chicken salad yeah. um, those things are very harmful and you'll lose friends and yep. We're a social creature, and I, th- and I think a lot of people really suffer badly because of that. So I think yeah. that would be a downfall for sure for certain individuals. Yeah, yeah no, that's no, I agree totally. I mean, I think it's um, especially with the diet thing, you know, you, you've got to let go. And I think a big part of it is um, that those people lose that that reach that point is that above all, even on the bad days, it's got to be fun. You know, this is a hobby. It's something you should enjoy doing. I mean, I just jacked my shoulder up, and it's still, I'm looking forward to going to the gym. (laughs) I'm not that mad about it. You know, it's going to happen, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to work my way around it. uh, You know, it's it's when people start stressing all the time. There's we, We cause enough stress with the training we do. Thinking about training should be fun. It shouldn't be more stress, like, oh, God, how many sets am I going to do next time? People that sit there and... They wonder about their program for eight hours a day for the next day, and it's you know, yeah, or or gotta settle down, or conversely sweat over you know a bad session or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there's always another day. Um, you know, things do tend to heal usually, yeah. Um, and yeah, don't stress it. I mean, I, I say it's funny you say that, Phil, because I always tell people, guys, that in the gym, I'm like, remember, if this is not at on some level fun to do, you won't be successful. Nor will you last. Yep. You know, you have to, you know, for for a guy like me, I'm just a psychotic. I love every element of it. I like the pain and I like, but for some people who aren't maybe that as, you know, that kind of positive towards it, I always say, at the very least, find something about it. You know, that, that, because if every time you think about training, you kind of get that, you know, that, that, you know, sigh and, you know, forlorn look on your face, you're not going to last. You know, so. And that's the beauty about you know me now owning my own facility. It's like I'll tell people right up front, we're not for everybody. Yeah. You know, if right. you don't like this, I don't even want you here. You know, because I want people in here having fun, having a good time, that, that really enjoy training. Sure. 
and sure. uh, you know, and then we've been lucky that we we do have a great group. So yeah, uh, so I mean, uh, you know, as we've discussed now over the this the show, there are you know certainly we're, we're always championing you know, championing the weight training and so forth, but there are drawbacks to it. Most of those the drawbacks we've been discussing though hinder more on the individual than the sport in general. It's how you go about things. Um, it's a, it's a certain acceptance that you know injury is probably at some point hopefully on a minor scale, going to happen, like you were saying, Phil. Um, these are just realities, but the thing is you try and minimize it. You try and um, be knowledgeable in what it is that you're doing. And, and again, you try to even turn the negatives into things that are predominantly positive. And, you know, I don't think you'll find anything in life that is, you know, all parts good and you know, or all parts bad. There's always the good and the bad. So find the good, you know, champion those parts of it, and the bad type of stuff. Try and know where that what those bad things are, because first of all, one of the main ways of avoiding a pitfall is to knowing what the pitfalls are. It's hard yeah. to avoid something when you don't know what that is, you know. So you know, it's hard to know the enemy if you don't know who the enemy is, kind of a thing. So you know, certainly we just urge people to again educate yourselves, um, you know, allow yourself to just you know um, evolve, you know, in in whatever weight training capacity uh, you're involved in. And with time, you'll start seeing what the potential pitfalls could be. And if you're educated and you have some experience and, and you observe what other people do, you'll, you'll, you'll hopefully be able to more avoid those and mostly make it a positive experience. Well, I think, I think you know, that the negatives and positives is a huge one. I think it's even larger. It, it, it's, it's multiplied when you're talking about somebody who, who wants to be great, who wants to be elite. Um, and it's something you got to sit down and, and write it down and realize it. You know, if you want to be the elite golfer, you're going to have to give up other stuff in your life, you know, because you're going to have to be on that course so many hours a day. If you want to be the strongest man in the world, there are going to be drawbacks that you must accept. To any great goal, there are, there are negatives that you just have to accept. Of course. You know, you're not going to be light. You're not going to have a, you're likely not going to be 180 pounds and look like Brad Pitt. You know, because you're going to need to be a big behemoth machine. And, you know, you've got to sit back and accept all these different things. You're going to, right. at this time, you're going to be eating like this. At these times, you're going to be eating like this. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to hurt. You know, and it's it's those things that no, everybody wants to look at the positive um, of everything. And, and a big part of it, though, is accepting the negatives. It's like, I know I'm going to hurt at times. But right. I'm willing to accept that hurt because I enjoy the activity so much and what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That it's okay. Well, I think that's a great way to end it, actually, because I think yeah. that's true. That it comes down to ultimately an acceptance of what you're willing to endure to achieve yeah. something that you think means something to you. And if you're not willing to endure the things that you know anybody in your shoes is willing to endure, it's probably not something that you're going to really want to pursue. Um, or, or if you think you're trying to fool yourself into believing that you want, you will do it, you won't last. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. And there's that, something else out there for you. You know, absolutely. That certainly, certainly, there is nothing wrong with that. In yeah. fact, there's there's a lot of um, uh, honor coming with admitting the things that you don't want to do. You know, that takes a certain strength and self knowledge right there. You know, the I, I'm not willing to do this because of this. And because I'll tell you, I, I certainly respect somebody like that a lot more than somebody who tries to continuously fool themselves. Um, and you know, we, we in any gym you can find multitudes of people like that who you just know are fooling themselves, um, thinking they're going to achieve something and you just know they're not going to. So, yeah. So I think that's a, a good way. Okay, good one. Until next week, everybody. 
All right. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you next week right here on IronRadio.org. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Okay, uh, moving on to our other announcements, we're going to do a fall contest regarding quotes. What we want you to do is go to our Iron Radio listeners page on Facebook and give us some of your favorite quotes. Uh, and we'll pick our favorite. Uh, I'd love to add to our repertoire of uh, quotes like this. And you'll win something cool. We've still got some uh, mugs and other Iron Radio paraphernalia floating around here. And I'm happy to send you one. Uh, I think we'll run this contest probably until Thanksgiving. So uh, get online, get on Facebook, Iron Radio listeners, and make a quote. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.